0: Support for OPB comes from our members and from our sponsors, like Tracy Ray from the employment law firm of Baron Liebman. Tracy says that OPB sponsorship is a great way to support the community and connect with Baron Liebman's clients.
1: This is Think Out Loud on OPB. I'm Dave Miller. Mount Rainier is covered with nearly 30 square miles of glaciers and icy patches, more than Mount Hood, Crater Lake, and all the other volcanic mountains from British Columbia to Northern California combined. But climate change is taking a huge toll on Mount Rainier's glaciers, according to a study published in June. It found a 42% reduction in glacial area over the last 125 years. The situation is even worse on Mount Hood, according to a photographic survey that was just completed. We'll hear about Mount Hood in just a few minutes, but we start with Scott Beeson. He's a park geologist at Mount Rainier National Park. Welcome to the show. Hello. I want to start with some basics. What is a year in the life of a healthy glacier like?
0: It's a good question. Um so glacier is a balance between accumulation of snow and ablation or melt of the snow in the summertime. So in the wintertime you get a massive accumulation of snow and in the summertime you lose quite a bit of that snow uh, through processes like snowmelt and um, the sun hitting the the snow, things like that. And when you get a, a period of time where there's enough snow that lingers around from year to year, the... Uh, you know, the next year you get another accumulation of snow and then another year and another year. And before you know it, you have a, a more and more like kind of like a layer cake of snow. And that turns into a thing called fern, which is basically uh, more it's it's a year's accumulation of snow. And then enough time goes by and that turns into glacial ice. So it's it's a, it's a situation where we have snow that accumulates and does not melt. And then over those those processes turns into a
1: glacier. How does that compare to what's happening on Mount Rainier right now?
0: So yeah, the um, what we're ha- what we're seeing at Mount Rainier is that uh, we're getting more uh, rain falling than snow, and we're getting uh, less snow accumulating. So in a given year, you know, we expect to see a certain amount of snow, and we're seeing less of that. So the the glaciers at Mount Rainier are are in a situation where they're not getting recharged with the snow that they need to be. And we're basically losing glacial ice over time. So we'll, we won't have the the recharge in snow. And then when we, yeah, the the summer snow melt, uh, it actually melts down into the glacial ice underneath of it. And it basically you're, you're losing the the glacial mass over time.
1: Hmm. The data um, that, makes up the study that you recently released it goes back to 1896. Were glaciers shrinking at, at the turn of the 20th century?
0: Yeah, actually they were. They were um, from 1896 to the next survey that we had was 1913. Uh, we did lose ice between those periods of time. So um, yeah, we were losing ice for sure in that time. But uh, the rate that we're seeing in the last decade or two has, has really accelerated based on the uh, historic data that we have.
1: How much? I mean, so how much of that loss that we're talking about is recent as opposed to, you know, 120 something years old?
0: I mean, it, it's a, uh, you, you're looking at rates. So in the last six years, uh, we we're seeing a rate of a about two and a half times that estimated in the, the previous period, and that was from 2009 to 2015. And we go back, you know, from the 1896 period to the 2021 period, you see a rate, um, loss, rate, uh, rate loss of about 0.2 square miles per year. And in that last period, um, it's about point uh 3.2 to 3 so it's a little doubling about doubling of that rate that we have had from the historic period
1: hmm. and you get the sense that that even that is
0: accelerating yes yeah it is definitely accelerating
1: hmm. i mentioned that finding that more than 40% of glacial area was lost between 1896 and 2021 but if i understand correctly that doesn't include the the depth or the thickness of the ice what happens if you include that that third dimension how much volume has been
0: lost Yes, and volume can be really difficult to calculate in a glacier just because it's uh it's really hard to actually see through the glacier itself. But when we look at the the volume reduction, we're seeing a reduction of about 52% um in that period 125 period, 125 year period. So, um we're definitely seeing a a more ice melting when you add, add in that third dimension. Uh it's 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 a little bit more complicated, the math is more complicated, but um definitely uh, a lot of ice loss on the mountain. Hmm.
1: If you're just tuning in, I'm talking right now with Scott Beeson, who is a park geologist at Mount Rainier National Park. The data in this latest study, it went up to 2021. Do you have any sense for what's happened in just the last two years?
0: Yeah, we, haven't, we didn't really look at the last two years. We basically do the survey whenever we have a good uh, opportunity to get clear satellite imagery and funding to do the surveys um, I know in looking at and talking to other researchers there's a couple other glaciers that we're looking at um, that have we we've, we've basically removed them from our survey at this point so um, the Van Trump glaciers and the pyramid glaciers are probably no longer considered a glacier in the park um, our survey didn't kept them in place just because we hadn't we did, we still saw evidence of the glacier there. But, um, since then, I mean, we're, it's just continual, continual loss.
1: Why do you do this? I mean, what's at stake? Uh, what are the many things that are at stake when glaciers disappear?
0: So glaciers are a source of clear, uh, Fresh water, cold water that are it's provided to rivers in the park. Um, there's a lot of aquatic species that depend on that cold water for their habitat. Uh, bull trout is one example of that. Uh, there's a study just recently done that looked at the if the anticipated effects of climate change in the next century um, to see kind of what would happen with the bull trout habitat as we lose that glacial ice, and it's uh, pretty stark. For, the, for that species specifically. They're going to lose their habitat. They're going to have to move to different locations or they're just going to die out. The other thing that I have an interest in is a, a process called a debris flow, where as you retreat glacial ice, you're leaving behind sediment that is uh, basically... Stoop, super steep and can uh it's not sorted it can it can fail anytime but you get a surge of water something that happens in the glacier and it can pick up that material and mobilize into what's called a debris flow and the debris flows can go downstream affect park infrastructure and uh, can really damage uh, uh, old growth forests it can damage infrastructure it can uh, affect people uh, visitors and the employees that work here at mount rainier hmm. and they can be deadly right they can be. Thankfully, so far, they have not been. Um, there was a debris flow in 2015 where we had a visitor that was taking a video and it went right by them. And hmm. it was sort of terrifying seeing that video. It was cool seeing the process, but at the same time, it was terrifying that they were that close to it.
1: We're talking about climate change here, about you know specific sites, in this case on Mount Rainier, being impacted by human actions on a global scale. And obviously, the the biggest thing we can do as a species is to stop burning fossil fuels but are there other specific interventions for saving glaciers?
0: You know, um, this question we get frequently is what can we do with glaciers in the park? Um, there isn't a lot that we can really do. I mean, monitoring is what we're really good at doing. Um, there's been talk about, you know, in some locations in, uh, Europe, they talk about putting tarps and stuff on glaciers, but, um, When you talk about 29 square miles of ice, that's that's just not feasible. So um, I think really the the long-term solution is is to look at climate emissions and see how we can change those over time and, and watch and see how it happens with the climate from there. Scott Beeson, thanks very much. Thank you. Scott Beeson is the
1: park geologist at Mount Rainier National Park. He joined us to talk about quickly disappearing glaciers there. For another perspective on melting glaciers, we turn now to Anders Carlson. He is the president of the Oregon Glaciers Institute. Welcome back to the show. Thank you, Dave. Can you remind us what the Oregon Glaciers Institute is?
2: Sure thing. It's a small nonprofit formed in 2020, a volunteer citizen scientists looking at documenting the changes in Oregon's glaciers and the impacts they have on our environment and ecosystems. My understanding
1: is that um, you heard a promo for our conversation that we were going to be having with Scott and You said, hey, I have news to share with Oregon um, about Mount Hood. So what are the surveys that you recently completed?
2: Sure thing. Um, so... We uh, finalized two surveys. One is just documenting how many glaciers remain in the Oregon Cascades. And then what the recent one that I contacted about, about was in 2003, a uh, mountaineer and emergency room doctor in the Portland area, St- Dr. Steve Boyer, for posterity's sake, decided to go out and measure the location of the terminus, termini of glaciers on Mount Hood and also photograph them. And um, he probably holds, or at least at one point, held the record for the number of summits on Mount Hood as well. And he shared this information with us um, two years ago. And we then decided this summer to go out 20 years later and repeat his survey to document how much these glaciers have changed in the last 20 years. So kind of a 20 years of 21st century glacier change on Mount Hood. And the last official published documentation of glacier change on Hood was uh, finalized in 2001 to 2004.
1: So almost 20 years later, you, um, you did this again. So tell us the bad
2: news. Well, the bad news is that there's been massive loss of ice on Hood, um, and so at oh, a bigger perspective, about in the last 120 years, 60 uh, percent of the major glaciers on uh, uh, the major glaciers on Hood have lost 60 percent of their area. Now that's over the last 120 years. 25 percent of that occurred in the last 20 years, and so roughly of the area lost in the last 120 years, 40 percent of that occurred in the last two decades. So it's been a rapid um, increase in the rate of glacier loss in the, the first two decades of this millennium. And just to put some numbers on it, um, you know, from uh, up to the turn of the millennium, glaciers on hood were re- retreating at about 3.5% per decade of the area loss. In the last 20 years, this has increased by 3.6 times, over three times faster to 12.5% of the area loss per decade.
1: Hmm. So, I mean, uh, what we're talking about is um, just a a worse version of the exact same dynamics that we are hearing about on Mount Rainier, which I guess makes sense, given that we're talking about a a significantly lower elevation mountain on Hood and a little bit further south, so colder and warmer in in two different ways. How did you actually carry out this survey? What were the physical challenges of doing this?
2: Good question. Um... When Steve did this back in 2003, he took his time going around the mountain and just climbing up to different drainages on various weekends in the late uh, summer, early fall. We have don't have that luxury anymore 20 years later. Um, so we had to go for it when you could have a window with no forest fire smoke. Uh, which has greatly reduced the ability to conduct such research in Oregon because the best time to look at glaciers is late summer, early fall. That's also when our skies get choked with smoke and you shouldn't be outside. So we found a window to do it in. And then instead of just going up the different drainages going around a you know a cone, we said, well, we'll circumnavigate hood above tree line, kind of walking the the, the intent was to walk the ice every ice margin around uh, the glacier around a mountain and that was really difficult. Um, for one, the glaciers are retreating fast, and so there's a lot of water there, and that has made the, the ground unsure, and like Scott just mentioned, uh, debris flows are increasing, and then on top of that, the rock fall uh, above the glaciers is dramatically increased as well. We see it on the glaciers themselves where they're becoming debris armored and covered with uh, rock fall, but it's also coming after us, and so We had to actually bail on one of our planned approaches, our pathways, because bowling ball sized rocks were flying down randomly every five minutes onto Newton Clark Glacier. And then we saw a giant landslide occur. We videotaped it and it was just right onto the glacier, just shooting down right where we wanted to go. So it has become very, very dangerous to conduct this work in the late summers when. Because of the warming climate that's removed the snow and ice protecting the uh, underlying rock from falling down.
1: Wow. So essentially for thousands of years, um, these these huge rocks have been kept in place by ice. Now the ice is melting and the rocks are just falling down the mountain.
2: Yeah. (laughs) The mountains are literally falling apart with the loss of snow and ice on them.
1: What about Oregon's other glaciers? I'm thinking in particular about Central Oregon uh, on Mount Jefferson or South Sister or the other sisters.
2: Yeah, good question. Um, they are in worse shape than Mount Hood. Uh, Mount Hood, just like you mentioned before, Hood being further south and lower elevation than Rainier, making it war- uh, warmer. Hood is also is the most resilient mountain within the state of Oregon to climate change because it's the tallest and furthest north. Uh, as you go south, uh, the problems become worse the in mount jefferson this summer um the glaciers outside of white water glacier um had no snow on them at the end of the summer and so they're in very bad shape that they're not getting any refurbishment of snow uh, so they're they're on a starvation diet in a way to think about it hmm. if you go down to uh, the Three Sisters region, so South Sister, Middle, and North Sister, and Broken Top, they've been in that kind of state for five, six years now at a bare minimum. And in short, it's gotten too warm in that region to sustain glaciers for a long period of time. So they're going to disappear in that region and the current climate. It's already too hot in Oregon to have glaciers in the Three Sisters region. What does all this mean for people who
1: who love being on mountains for, for skiing, for hiking, for whatever.
2: It's, it's a dramatic loss. Um, it's really, it's fundamentally changing the way we view the mountains in Oregon. Uh, we have iconic snow covered peaks that we see on the horizon and we go to and get reprieve in the summers for going up and getting a ski in and, you can't do that anymore. And if you go later in the summer, you might get hit by a rock. It's it's shortening what was our year round ski season that we brag about. Um, you know, Timberline doesn't operate now throughout the whole year. They they do a good job of maintaining the Palmer snowfield on Hood, but they cease operations in August now versus letting people ski into September and only stopping just to repair the lifts before the winter comes. And it's the streams will start running dry in the late summers and it'll impact what Scott was saying there the salmon the trout it's um going to make water wars increase because you're going to have hotter streams with less water in them and a conflict between withdrawals to do uh for agriculture and ranching and uh w- drinking water versus keeping the streams flowing and cold enough for uh, uh salmon and trout species to survive so it's not good at all.
1: <laughs> what, what has this work been like for you emotionally to actually to, – to take part in these surveys that put numbers to what you can already see with your naked eye?
2: It makes – in a way, it's cathartic because you could see it happening. And it, when we started Oregon Glaciers Institute, the main reason was was nobody was paying attention to this in the state of Oregon. And we can now at least put numbers on it and make people be aware of what's happening. And basically the climate's already too hot. And so we need to cool down from where we are if we want to keep Oregon the way um, we've known and loved the place we live in. And so this is one of the best ways to document and make it visually people aware of how the climate is changing and will impact our way of life in this state.
1: Andres Carlson, thanks very much for your time. I appreciate it.
2: Yeah.
1: Andres Carlson is the president of the Oregon Glaciers Institute. Tomorrow on the show, we're going to talk to Oregon State University economist Bill Jager. He says that decades of international treaties have proven ineffective at addressing climate change and that our best hope will come from the courts. If you don't want to miss any of our shows, you can listen on NPR's app, on Apple Podcasts, or wherever you like to get your podcasts. Our nightly rebroadcast is at 8 p.m. Thanks very much for tuning in to Think Out Loud on OPB and KLCC. I'm Dave Miller. Have a great day. Think Out Loud is supported by Stephen Jan Oliva, the Rose E. Tucker Charitable Trust. Michael, Kristen, Andrew Kern, and Anna Sanford.